Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. LFC Day Trippers, brought to you by bookmakers.com. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the LFC Day Trippers for another full-time Reds. It finished at the London Stadium, West Ham 1, Liverpool 2. I'm your host, Matt. I'm joined tonight by Kev. Kev, how'd you like that one? I almost liked it as much as I just noticed the banner under your name. How slow am I? I've just noticed the banner under your name. That's okay. That's okay. Chair of the three at the back committee. Well, in fairness to you, credit where it's due. That's right. You called it. Credit where it's due. You called it first. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's, uh, I might not get a whole lot of things right. I believe we're going to do a, a year-end recap of when we all did our uh, preseason previews <laughs> and see how bad we were at predicting how the season was going to go but pretty happy that i got that one right uh yeah. let's get our housekeeping out of the way the show tonight brought to you like uh, it has been all season by bookmakers.com head on over to their website uh, if you're into a little bit of the gambling on the sports get yourself the best odds if you're going to put your money up you may as well get the best odds for it so they've got uh links to all the other gambling sites so you can get the absolute best odds for your money they've also got a whole raft of comparisons and statistics and things like that that you can use for getting I think I've got I don't know 20 points in my fantasy this week just an absolute car crash for my fantasy <laughs> this week I really needed Mo to do something and he did not but uh I've almost given up the ghost on mine now um uh, I think I looked at it about two weeks ago and there was too many changes to be made and it just nah uh, you got to make those changes. You got to you got to be willing to take those negative points. That's I I lasted this I lasted until April, which is going really really well for me. Yeah, know, in fairness, normally mid November I've given up the ghost. Yeah, you know, but I thought, yeah, I'm I'm I was nowhere in any of the leagues. Yeah, well, I got I got as far as uh, the beginning of April, and yeah, I'm happy with that. Yeah, well, I'm 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 surprised I've only missed setting my lineup once and uh Dan Bailey's just absolutely running away with the Day Trippers league. So it looks like he won't be able to be caught. So congrats to him. Well, let's get into the good parts here. I mean, lineups hit one change. Matt yeah. Tip uh comes in for Ibu. Seems like he's picked up a minor knock. Uh there was word that, you know, Klopp said before the game that if it was an absolute necessity, he could have played on, but just managing him, which is good because, you know. He's going to be here for a few years. Were you a little worried coming into the game, Kev, with uh, Joel Matips? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit nervous to say the absolute least, because I think everyone was. Look, let's be honest. This was the acid test for this um, this new way the Klopp has Trent playing. It's okay doing it when Ibu Kanate is behind you. What happens when Joel Matips behind you and Trent decides to go like under instruction and he just goes straight into midfield when we got the ball how does Joel cope with it and I why I was looking I was thinking okay they've got Bren Rama you've got um what's his name Anton Miguel Antonio you've 
got Bowen, Bowen. you got Paqueta who can pick a pass. Damn, this is seriously an acid test for this for this lineup. And I thought, my God, I I was bricking it. No word of lie, I was absolutely bricking it because. And like Charlie said, they're surprised it wasn't Gomez that came in under the new system. So was I. I. Yeah. So was I, given the need for pace. But fear not. Big high chief Joel Matip decides to roll back the years. And nobody can read a game like him. And he really does read the game really well. And the other, the, the plus side to Joel Matip's game that we all tend to ignore, he's very good at carrying the ball out from the back. He loves goes on the odd mazy run. He's comfortable on the ball, and his passing is okay. You know, he's not going to break fifty-yard diags like Virgil is, but he's generally very safe in his passing. So, for what he lacks in pace, he more than makes up for it in game intelligence. And that was the first start he had for since April the sixth. I think it was the last time he it was his last start. It was it was going back a while, so yeah, yeah nervous, it, nervous as hell. Yeah, but it's, it seems definitely like it's Ibu's position. But I mean, already we're seeing in his first two seasons with us that it looks like he's not going to be a thirty-eight game a season kind of guy. That he might just pick up a few odd injuries here and there. But I mean, yeah, Charlie the Red nailed it. I I I really expected because I had Kanate in my fantasy team, so nailed that one as well too. I thought, ah, he'll play, he'll play. I'm not taking him out. I figured, you know, if you're going to try, like the, the two options for me were you put Gomez in and you continue with this inverted system, or if you're going to put Matip in, then just go more conventional, you know, have Trent play the role that we've known him to play for the last couple of years. And so that was the big question I had coming into the game was like, are we going to keep going with this system where Trent go- and within seconds of like, yep, <laughs> like a hundred percent, like it's, it was, it was straight from the kickoff. It was yeah. straight from the kickoff. The ball, as we usually do, we got the ball, launched it up towards Gakpo, and in slots Trent straight. It was almost like, I'm there from the kickoff. Yeah. I am doing this, and yeah. we are doing this. And, I mean, it's you look at Joel Mattis, you know, coming into the lineup. The rest of the lineup stayed the same. It's, yeah. it's almost like he's turned around to everyone and says, okay, you've got the shirt. It's yours to lose. Yeah. And as long as we keep winning... And you keep doing what I ask you to do, whether that's right or wrong within a game, if they're doing what he's asking them to do, what more can you do? You know? Exactly. And I mean, Madge Apple brings up, I mean, Curtis Jones. He yeah. seems to be growing, growing, growing into the role. Uh I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty sure it was the Leeds game after about the first 20 minutes or so. I was starting to come into the camp of like, I don't think Jones is going to cut it at Liverpool. And I'm glad that I didn't make sweeping proclamations before the end of the game because he really grew into that game a lot. And he seems to really be understanding this position, you know, dropping, making those little triangles with Van Dyke and Robertson on the left side of the pitch. Uh, even to the point where when Tiago came on later in the game, I thought maybe we'd see Jones shifted out to the right and Tiago would take up his regular left-sided midfield position. But no, he he kept the spot there. So I mean, that's what, four four starts in a row? Four for starts on the bounce for Curtis. Yeah. And the one thing that I think his first start, and it was his first game for a long time, you could see it a mile off that he wasn't match sharp. He was, he was dithering on the ball. He was, His decision-making wasn't where it needed to be. And you saw tonight his ability to carry the ball, take players on, commit players to come to him and bring others into play. Um, that was pretty good. Um, his, his tackling, his reading of the play was okay. I think I'd like to see him take on more shots from outside the box because he's got that in his locker. Yeah, you know. And going forward, it's a nice squad option to have in the squad that you can trust him to come in play three, four games in that position, knowing that he's comfortable in doing it. So that's good for him going forward. You know, it's almost one thing that you don't have to worry about. Yeah. Yeah, completely. And then, I mean, the the, the two old stagers in the midfield beside him kept their uh, spots again. Uh, yeah. I mean, I didn't think that Henderson would have it in him to go because no. it's, what, three in a week now for Henderson and for Fabinho. It's the same midfield going again and again. Bonkers LSE points out that Fab didn't pick up his 10th yellow card of the season. Not from the one to trying towards the end of the game, to be no, fair. It, it really seemed like it. I mean, uh, kudos to Chris Kavanaugh. I mean, we uh, we rightly 
smashed the reps pretty badly, but I thought he did a pretty good job of refing this game. It, yeah, for a while did. there, it looked like he just didn't know where his whistle was, that he was just letting everything go. But in fairness, there was nothing malicious or nasty in any nope. of the tackles that were going in. There were fair tackles. There were honest challenges for the ball. Uh, there was one at the end, right at the very end, on when Bowen went in on Matip. But again, it was, he was going for the ball. He just slightly mistimed it. So, Yeah, I don't think there wasn't a yellow card in the game, was no, there? No, there wasn't. And it, no, there wasn't. I don't remember a booking for anyone. Yeah. You know? I nice, mean, someone right? can check that. I I don't know. We'll get yeah. Storm. We will definitely come around to that later on, I promise. We will definitely <laughs> yeah. come around that's, to that That's later certainly on. a talking point we'll oh, come yeah. back around um, to. But listen, the game started, and we were dominating the ball. You know, we were doing what we've done in our last few games. The way this system works, you get overloads in the middle of the park. And when we lose the ball in the middle of the park, we're in a great position to win it back. You know, the counter-pressing, it, it really lends itself to that. So we were dominating the ball and then we almost got, I wouldn't say got sucker, caught with a sucker punch. We didn't. West Ham's first goal was really, really, really good. Yeah. Um, their interplay, the interplay between Paqueta, because Paqueta is a proper player. They paid 50 million for him and he looks like they didn't overpay. You know, he looks like he's that caliber of player. And the interplay between um, Pakata and Antonio for that was really good. I felt that I felt Allison would be really disappointed that he got he was scored on from that far out. Deflection aside, I don't think it deflected that much. He looked like his reactions just weren't quite there. It's, uh, I think he got wrong footed. I think he thought yeah. Paqueta was going to go for the far corner. And then he yeah. pulls it and goes near corner and it takes that tiny little deflection off of Van Dyke. But when you see one of those views from either behind the ball or behind the net, and you see how far inside the post it was. I mean, yeah. I think every everybody that's watched Allison play since he's been at Liverpool has been like, how did he not get to that? But yeah, I mean, it was extremely tidy from them. Like they came down the right side, quick interchanges of passes. And, you know, our guys were just... This is like about the only downside of the game that I could come up with was the passage around their goal. Like the defenders looked slow. They look, you know, like Matip just kind of got walked around. Fabinho just lets like Paqueta plays the ball up to Antonio, and then it's it's a textbook give and go. And yeah. Fabinho just lets him walk right behind him yeah. to have the open shot. I think I think the the downside of the system is you look at the position that Jordan Henderson is going to be asked to take up. When you get the ball and you're committing forward, your two eights go. Whereas if you're playing a traditional four three three. They'll wait and they'll be the link player to get the ball forward. In this, they go. And if you lose the ball or you lose the ball in transition in the middle of the pitch, they're out. They're out of the out of the game straight away. And a 32-year-old Jordan Henderson doesn't have the legs to get back that far that fast. He just doesn't. No. And with the best will in the world, his mind can tell him that the 26-year-old version of you will get there. Trust yourself. Nah, the 32-year-old version body is saying, will you ever just slow down? Yeah. You know, it's just not, and it's, I'm not going to, I can't lash the guy out of it because Klopp is telling him to be in this position. He's doing as he's told. And that downside of this is when you, of this, of this system is when you lose the ball in the middle of the park, you're wide open. Yep. You're a lot more wide open than you ever were before. Yeah. And, Credit, I'll give massive credit to West Ham because that was really a really well worked goal. And they had chances, just you know, they had chances in the game like that, but that was the one that they really punished us on. Well, I mean, it but, was four, four minutes into the game, and Van Dyke just totally loose with the ball in our own box. And Bowen has it, and he tries to pick out Antonio at the back post and thankfully sails it. Yeah, should have picked him out. It was a bad cross, yeah. Well, they they had some issues with their with their final ball deliveries in this game, and you know we were saying before we came on, you said that you know better teams would punish us in that game, and you're a hundred percent right because there was a few times that they uh, they had some chances to get in. I mean, uh, fifteen minutes. Do you think Robbo was trying to lob the goalie, or do you think it was just a shank cross? It was a shank cross. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't try to cover his arse by putting his hand up and apologizing for shanking it. But it was almost, almost. If that had gone in, it would. If that had gone in, it would have been right up there with one of the goals of the season. But yeah, yeah it, 
No, it was definitely he's definitely shanked it. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> I, I I wanted it to be a shot. I wanted it to be. I mean, it would have been the most perfect goal for Robbo to score that he misses a whole bunch of sitters and then lobs the keeper from the sideline from about yeah. 35 yards out. A uh, few minutes after that, though, Cody Gakpo. Cody Gakpo. I'm I'm going to talk about Cody Gakpo a yeah, fair bit because away. I am absolutely falling in love with Cody Gakpo playing in the middle of the park for Liverpool. I mean, we turned the ball over. Trent's right in the middle of the park, basically like a number 10 position, and just feeds it straight ahead to Gakpo. Their defense just decides to back off of him for some reason and lashes the ball in. Great shot. Great goal. Yeah, and he's got that in his locker. He's got quite a few goals like that in Holland from outside the box, mainly off the left, and he's scored them for Holland as well. Um, he's 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 really gets a lot of power into his shot. But what beats Fabianski from there is the bouncer in front of him. Yeah. Um, like I said, I, I think I put it in the message in the WhatsApp group. Both keepers will be disappointed with the, with those two goals from conceding from that far out. But yeah. I think Fabianski could not do much more. He got across, but it was just such a good strike that the ball bounced in front of him. There wasn't an awful lot he could do from there. But like I said, the, the benefits of having Trent in that position, they showed it at halftime where he already scanned before he received the ball. He already had the eye that Gakpo was on the turn, that he was right there to, to see the pass. And he's looking a bargain, isn't he? He's, look at, he's looking a proper bargain. He's just, Cody Gakpo just goes to show that the business the club does when they decide to punt on a player. And get him at the right price. That you take that weight off their shoulder of a price tag, and he looks like he looks like he's going to be a real weapon in that role going forward. Yeah, because he loves taking the ball on the half turn. He's really strong running with the ball. He's a threat in the air. He's going to get physically stronger, and his game intelligence is just going to get better and better and better. You know, and he's an all around good egg to go with it. You know, so like he's just a he's just the right amount of humility and skill and balls to succeed at Liverpool. Yeah, and Kevin, know, Kevin I, Ball I'm just nailed really it. Looking forward to seeing him. Absolutely yeah. nailed it, Kevin Ball. It really takes the sting out of Bobby Firmino leaving and that question mark of how do we replace Bobby Firmino in the team because he is doing what we come to expect a Liverpool number nine to do after years of watching Firmino dropping deep and linking up, but he's bigger, he's stronger, he's faster. He seems to have a better eye for goal. And if Curtis Jones stays in the team to do those cheeky little back heel flicks around the corner, we can still keep some of the fun Bobby <laughs> passing in the game, even though, you know, Bobby's moving on to uh, his next challenge in life. But I mean, he does such a good job of, like being a target man and like just deft little header touches off to Mo or off to Jota, you know, or even back to Trent and being that extra person. Like I thought it was where we have it here, about yeah, about 20, 25 minutes in, like we were dominating the midfield, yeah. we were dominating the midfield because not only was Trent tucking into the midfield, Jota's dropping back, Gakpo's dropping back. Like all of a sudden we had numbers in the midfield. Like we've never had numbers in midfield before. And just playing these tight, intricate little passes, like our short passing was crisp and accurate. At one point, they flashed a number up on the screen that our passing accuracy was 88% and West Ham's was 68%. Yeah, I think ours finished at 87. Yeah. 86, 87. But, I mean, the only thing that I wish you could get from the way we were playing is having someone on the right who was on the touchline, who was available who could drag players because it felt at times the middle of the park was too congested and we needed an out ball where Mo, would, Mo had already committed to come in and the other the only out ball that you had out wide was Jordan Henderson and even then he wasn't really out. He wasn't really out there. So if you had someone of that on the, on the outside, on the right, and maybe... Roberts, Robertson sneaking up on the left to, to stretch the pitch out and to draw West Ham out wider, give him another problem, then you open more space in the middle. It just felt at times in that game where the middle of the part was too congested 
But again, this is the third time that we've tried this. Bar Arsenal for a half. Yeah. You know, from start to finish, this is the third time that we've done this. It's going to take a, a while for players to learn where they need to be and what is the picture around them for having that extra body in the middle. So it's going to come good. but And when it does, when it clicks, it's going to be phenomenal because you can see the potential in this. But the summer business that needs to happen to supplement it needs to be bang on. Yeah. And it needs to work from the off. Yeah, it needs to happen early. You know, uh, I believe our preseason plans are kind of ironed out now. We're, what, July the 8th in Singapore against Bayern? You know, so players will be back, you know, nothing to note summer tournaments or anything like that. So hopefully we can raid the Chelsea cupboard quickly at the end of June, get our other business done and in the door, you know, for yeah. first day of preseason and get all these guys working together. Because somebody said it up there when we were talking about Gakpo, maybe Megan McCallion possibly said like, you know, he's he's this good and it's only been four months. Yeah. So give them that preseason to work with the team in this whole new system, all working together. And I mean, it it really does bode well. And I have to say, Manchester United fans must be spitting nails over the fact that they've got Boat Veghorst up top. And this was yeah. their target. And we just came in and snatched. Well, the only right. ones to blame is for how much they overpaid for Anthony. That's yeah. the only reason they didn't get him. That's yeah. the only reason they didn't get him is because they overpaid for players. Yep. And they hamstrung themselves. That's why they ended up getting a lone player from Burnley. Shucks, darn. Too bad for them. Uh, yep. Let me go through a few other things here. 28 minutes. Uh, Rice wins one-on-one -on -one with Henderson. Slips through Antonio. And it was Matip running up against him. And I thought I thought Matip had been just a little slow. He looked a bit at seed at certain points in the first half an hour of the game. And he did so good against Antonio because he's a strong, strong man yeah. at Mikhail Antonio. Was that the one where he just like blew Antonio out the water and he just, Mikel Antonio got up off the ground and just looked around for the freight train that just ran over him. Yep. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's the one. Because he's always just rolled in his head when he was walking back. Like, whew, didn't yeah. think he was that strong. Yeah, it was it fantastic. Uh, and then I, I noticed that it really seemed, I said it to you in a WhatsApp uh, during the during the first half, that Trent really seemed like he was getting the ball and holding it and waiting for whether it was Antonio or Paquette or whoever, somebody to come and try to press him and close him down. And then at the last second was just making that little pass off in these tiny little triangles. Like the, the amount of times that Trent, you know, nominally he's slotting into midfield as that right-sided six. But all of a sudden, he's way over on the left because he's just kind of going across, playing these little give and goes, and just like it has to be a shape thing. I I know absolutely nothing about you know coaching or tactics or anything like that at a at any sort of level. But like it really seemed like a deliberate thing because like he has the ball, he's in space. You think he'd you know get his head up and play the ball when he's free, yeah. but he was just waiting that extra half a second, being like, "Come on, pull yourselves out of shape, and then I'll dink it around you, and we'll just keep moving." and so effective. I mean, he must have had another one of those games. I don't know if he would have had as many touches as he had against Leeds, but he was everywhere. Everybody wanted to give him the ball always. Yeah, he was always open as well, and he always wanted the ball, even in tight spaces. He, he, I wasn't a fan of him playing in midfield, and I'm still not, not starting games. I still think his role is as a right back because I think the if you if we if we go back to playing a 4-3-3 with Trent being one of your central three midfielders, you lose the extra body that you're yeah. gaining in the midfield. So the whole point of this is to create overloads in the middle of the park. And that's what it will do. But it's gonna take time, you know, and we've got to be patient with it. It won't work all the time. We are gonna get sucker punched and we are gonna get caught out. And that's just gonna be part of the learning process. And you'd rather do it now. When let's be honest, there's not much on the line apart from your Euro European spots. You know, we're not getting top four. That race is run, I think. You know, we've got to be honest honest enough to say that. But you can achieve something between now and the end of the season so that you bounce into next season with confidence. You know, that you you've you've a platform to move from. And if you can go into next season on the back of seven, eight, nine wins on the bounce. 
that you finish the season strong and you're starting again from a good place with fresh players. That has to be the aim. But, I mean, we get to halftime, it's 1-1. One, one. Were you nervous at all or were you, like, expectant or how are you feeling about it? I mean, I was nervous because in the last five minutes before halftime, they had two pretty good chances to get in. Mm. Uh, one where Trent absolutely busted his ass and got back. Like, it's that was a lovely, that was brilliant, by the way. I thought he was so good today. Like, I know he was in and around the area where their goal comes from, but like you said, that was good football, and you can't never get scored against. Like, team score. Nobody puts up 38 clean sheets over the course of a league season. But it was that attitude stuff that we were all kind of bemoaning where it just looked like he wasn't asked with running back and putting in that hard shift. And he busted his ass to get back to cover that. And then it was like 12 seconds later. I don't know how Virgil doesn't put that into his own net. Yeah, that was really good. It's what a what a deft touch by him. And I mean, that was one of the few balls they had to try to pick out the last man for a tap in. And Virgil's just there ahead of Antonio and just yeah, he, the right side of the post to put it out for a corner kick. Um, he had a bit of a mixed game for me, Virgil. Um, yeah. There were parts of his game that were really good. Uh, parts of his distribution was really good. Same for Allison. Yep. Allison for the goal, I think, should have done better. The, some of his distribution was weird. The trajectory on his balls and his on his ball, his passing for off the ground was a bit off. But at the same time, there was other passes that he made. Was some of the passing was ridiculous. Yeah. You know, it it's just we'll get on to Virgil more in the second half because mm-hmm. some of his one-on-one defending player the better players are reading him now. But he's selling himself, you know, he's selling himself a bit too much. Yeah, well, I mean, that was about 10 minutes into the second half. Yeah. I mean, Jared Bowen gets a ball in. Seems to break the line like it looked like he timed it perfectly in real time watching it. And maybe it's just me being nostalgic for seasons past, but he gets one on one with Van Dyke and it was like, no problems. And then the ball's in the back of the net. <laughs> like, mm. But that was half of our, our counter as well. Yeah. And yeah. what we did do is the back four got back into shape. You know, they were in a line of four. You know, the, the midfield was in its shape. It was where it should be. It was just a really good ball into Bowen, and he was a foot offside. Yeah. You know, it was a really good finish, but Virgil sold himself on his one-on-one defending. he done this, trying to shadow a player, try to force him to make a decision. But Bowen, yeah, Bowen checked back onto his left foot, his strong foot, and slotted it. Yeah. You know, like he normally, like he should do. And he, Virgil's does this thing where he's crouched over and he throws out a lazy leg back. He's got to get, he's got to get better at this. Yeah. Because he, the the likes of Saka, Bowen, those players, those good players who play on the right are waiting for him to make his move and then just checking back and going around him. It's not the first time this has happened. This is, this is becoming a bit of a trend now. No, and um, I mean, especially going from like that first season and a half or so where he didn't get beat one-on-one by anybody. No. And, you know, and that's what I'm always like in the back of my mind. And I guess I have to relearn my behaviors about how to feel about when Virgil's lined up one-on-one with a player. And like, you know, like shades of La- like Lautaro Martinez getting one-on-one with Virgil van Dyke and running for the corner flag is <laughs> years ago now. Like yeah. both, you know, figuratively and literally years ago. Uh, I mean – Tidy, tidy play by Gakpo. But, I mean, you said it there. We were attacking, then they get the ball, and we got back set into shape. And didn't we get into shape? Because they were offside. Yeah. You know? And it says we haven't had a lot of it this year. I mean, not like last year. I mean, I can't even remember how many goals last year were, you know, or chances last season where it seemed like, you know, they, oh, it's so easy to play through Liverpool. And it's like, oh, no, they're offside. Like, they're they're offside. So they didn't get through. It's not a chance. It's not a shot on target. It's not a goal. They were offside. Yeah. And this was another one of those. But but uh, for me, it was a warning shot. It was, you've had, now you've had your warning. And to give West Ham credit, they were going into this tonight, uh, one loss in nine at home in their last nine. For a side who are struggling at the bottom, bottom end of the table, one loss in their last nine at home. Is like they're not a side you want to go behind to and take too many liberties. 
You know, if they'd have got two one up, then it would have been a tough road to get back into it. I think we would have, but at the same time, you don't want to be giving yourself that kind of a headache. So the warning across the bow was, you know, sharp enough. And I think that offside goal forced Klopp's hand a bit into some of the changes that he made. And yeah. he made them earlier tonight. Yeah, he rang them pretty much see. right afterwards. You know, yeah. like by the time the game settled down and the VAR review was done, pretty much the next time the ball went out of play, Tiago Diaz uh, came on for Henderson and Jada. What'd you make yeah, of Yeah, no changes? problem. No problem. I think Henderson, at best, you were only going to get an hour out of him. Yeah. Um, I When Tiago come on for Fabinho uh, in the last game, I think it was Forest game. Didn't like it. I don't like him in that role. Not in this new role where you need your six next to Trent to be a very dominant type midfielder. Someone who's, you know, more aggressive in their defending. And I just thought he was under hitting passes. He just looked off it. He wasn't match sharp. And I was nervous. So him coming on in the more advanced role, even though he came on on the right for Henderson, yeah, fair enough. You know, no problems with that. Um, Jota coming off for Luis Diaz. Brilliant to see Luis Diaz get a half hour. Yep. Still a country mile off match sharpness. It's telling. You know, there's a big difference between training and practicing and rehab and what have you and um, getting back to full, full what we know he's capable of. We saw bits. We saw flashes. Oh yeah, he had a couple of lovely touches, taking two guys on on the touchline, sort of thing. You know, it's that's that's the Luis Diaz we need. But yeah, I mean, I think both of those players are being you know slowly reintegrated back into the team. I mean, long layoff for Tiago and a much longer one for Luis Diaz. So, but I mean, what options to have? Like great options to have. Yeah, it makes a massive difference when you look at the bench tonight and you still look at the fact that Carvalho and Elliot were there as well as um, Simicas and Joe Gomez. You know, so the senior players, the players that came on, you're, so, you're talking some proper players there. Even James Milder coming on for 10 minutes to see a game out. It's exactly what you want, you know, and that's what you hope that Jordan Henderson evolves into that player who comes on for 15, 20 minutes at the end of the games. No problem with that whatsoever. Smashes somebody yeah, within yeah. about 30 seconds. Yeah. The odd start here and there. But it's like, I don't know, man. It's it, it was nice to see the options that were that were available, but I don't think they were effective, if you know what I mean. I don't think yeah. the changes were effective. Um, it was the players who were on the pitch from the get-go who were making who who made the run in in today's in the game today yeah um megan making the point there i think tiago should start on sunday give hendo a rest and bring him back on around 60 minute mark yeah um i think going forward i think that will be the role would you start tiago on the left and maybe bring harvey elliott in on the right or see that's why i think that Jordan Henderson would have started today over Thiago because Curtis deserved to start, and I don't think you could play Curtis and Harvey Elliott in the same in the same starting eleven away at West Ham, away at a ground where they're doing well and they're in a good run of scoring form. I don't think it's fair on either of the two players, so I think that's half the reason why Jordan Henderson started today. You know, where people like it, can like it or lump it, to be honest, but. Is I think is more to do with Curtis starting than maybe Sunday you could have Thiago starting on the, on the left hand side and Harvey Elliott on the right. I think that probably will happen. I'd, I'd be surprised if it doesn't. Yeah, and it should be interesting because it's been uh, it's been a while going from being an ever present, you know, appearing in every single game. It's now been a couple of weeks since we've seen much of Harvey Elliott. So, you know. yeah. Hopefully that means that he's been spending his time on the training pitch and learning because obviously the responsibilities for him from going and playing that right side at eight in our typical three-man midfield, it's going to be a little bit different moving into this new system where, you know, Trent is just not where you'd normally expect him to be. Um, shortly after the changes. Well, I one thing there, um, Emmett makes a point that he thought that Thiago and Diaz coming on helped us retain the ball better. 
Yeah, you got to look at. It, I suppose. Yeah, you can say that. The thing is, West Ham had a really good start to the second half. A good fifteen minutes. Yeah. You know, um, when they come on, yeah, you we kept the ball better, but it wasn't really effective possession. It was possession in a, in without really threatening that much. You know, they didn't cause too many problems for them. That, that's all I'm saying. I, it was the, there were the right changes to make, but I think sharp a sharp Luis Diaz coming off the bench and a sharp Thiago offer you serious threats. You know, and that'll come. That'll come, no doubt, in my mind. Yeah, and I mean, it gives it gives Klopp the old uh, you know selection headache for the rest of the games for the rest of the season. You know, some people there saying you know uh, Laszlo saying Darwin's do a start. Klopp said it would happen over the next two games, so you know players are going to get their chances, mm-hmm. and especially with. With with Firmino picking up that unfortunate injury, it just makes it that you know five into three that there's that many more minutes to play. Because I would presume, just I mean, we all know how much Klopp is loyal and nostalgic to his players. You get the feeling that Bobby Firmino would be coming on in some of these games. Oh, good to, God, yeah, yeah, just to give him a, a a little bit of a sending off farewell tour as uh, he puts yeah. in his last few appearances for Liverpool. Hopefully, he can get back well, to being on the bench for the final home game of the season at the absolute I- least. On Laszlo's point with Darwin, I hope his aid, Darwin's agent isn't in his ear about Klopp's comments towards what he's been saying and about why he isn't starting. I think it's common sense why he's not starting. He doesn't press in the same way as Gakpo or, or Diogo Jota does. That will come in time for him. He's only been in the club five minutes. He's a long-term project. He's a long-term serious player for us. So you hope that his agent is telling him, look, learn, get the language down, Pat. Learn the position. Learn what we need him to do. Because we know he's a threat going in behind. We know he's a threat when he gets one-on-one with players. And he, he created chances for himself today just by being in a, a, a nuisance. But the, once he nails down what Klopp is asking him to do in this role, he's going to be an absolute machine. You can just see the chances that we're opening up in the final third just by counter-pressing. He's going to score goals, yeah. but he's got to get the rest of his game in, in order as well. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's for his long-term career at Liverpool, I think this is good for him, especially like the fact that Gakpo had to come in and he had to start right away because the Jota and Diaz injuries, somebody pointed that out earlier. Like He just had to. We had no other fit forward, so we got this new signing in, and then he's hit the ground running. And he seems to have picked the system up better, whether that's a language thing. I mean, especially having Pep Linders there, but also I'm sure being Dutch, he's probably speaks almost as good of English as anybody. Yeah. That, you know, he's, he's really understood his role in the system. Like I saw a few times uh, in Darwin's little cameo tonight where like Mo seemed to be like telling him like, no, you need to be there, there, there. And like, so he still obviously doesn't have a grasp yeah. of that yet, but that's okay because he's not like being, I don't want to say consigned to the bench, but not needing Darwin to start is just taking some pressure off of him. And like you said, it just gives him just ease through this year. Like you're, he's still going to end up probably with more goal contributions than Anthony this year. So, yeah. I mean, measure yourself against him instead of against Holland, because that guy just broke Salah's goal scoring record tonight. So, I mean, that's uh, he's an absolute freak of nature, but let's get into the good bits shortly after the changes, we get a series of corners Ah, man, I thought that we had really blown it when Matt tipped. What I mean, great save by Fabianski. I don't know if he knew anything about it, but the ball just kind of pinballs around in the box, and Matt Tip managed to get one of his big giraffe legs on it, and Fabianski makes a save, and it was just like, oh, boy. Like, don't It's going to be one of them, isn't it? It's exactly. Just gonna... Exactly. Yeah, and that was on, one fair. On the international comms that I get out here, it was like, like you know, on that last corner, they had Syed Ben Rama, a man marking against Joel Matip. And, oh, he's lining up against Ben Rama again. And I'm thinking, like, hmm, it's a bit of a mismatch there. And then, boom, baby. He yeah. just well, took that net right off of its pegs. What a header. What a header. It was a great header, but it was a brilliant delivery. And he literally just – it was almost like, here, little man, step out of the way. The big – the adults, the adults are playing a game here, and he just got over the ball and bang, power header straight in. Nobody was doing anything about it. It was yeah. poor man marking from them. 
And it was absolutely deserved because he was outstanding tonight. Yeah. Yeah, he really, really was. For someone who hadn't played a game in anger in nearly a month, he, he comes in at a almost a 10, 15-minute acclimatization period. Yeah. And he was just bang at it like he'd never been away. And for it's amazing to me, actually, someone his height. And for someone who's as good, and he won his fair share in the air tonight because all of Fabianski's goal kicks were coming down that side. He won an awful lot in the air tonight. It always amazes me how he doesn't score more goals from, from corners for us because he just gets in those positions. And he's normally really good at reading the flight of the ball. So the fact that he was able to bundle Ben Ram out of the way and get a header on target is exactly what we needed. Another set-piece goal as well. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Top, love top, to see. top of the league in that uh, yeah. category. You absolutely love to see it, because we went through a dry few months where we couldn't hit a barn door from a corner. And tonight, bar one delivery, bar I think Robbo's first corner of the game, Every corner was a threat. Every corner was into a good area where you were asking questions of West Ham. And that's and all you could that's all you want. You know, we've got a, a really a good physical from, like a couple months ago. Like I remember doing shows like this with you, like I not specifically which shows, but it being like, you know, we had six corners and five of them hit the first man. Yeah. And I mean, if that's the case, you may as well just kick it out for a goal kick. Like Yeah, you may as well just go short. If you yeah. can't beat the first man. Develop short corner routines and put the ball in from a moving ball from a different angle. Yeah. You know, he was absolutely brilliant. And Michael Murphy makes a great point there. Give Matt Matip some flowers, people. He, having said the new system wouldn't work with Matip. With Matip what's Should that? be impeccable. Impeccable and flawless performance from Big, from Big Joel. Yeah, he was. I mean, Michael, he was brilliant. He was absolutely brilliant and is exactly what you need from a, a centre-half coming into the side who's arguably your third-choice centre-back coming in. You you, you you need him to be, to be that kind of player. And he was. He was absolutely brilliant. He was outstanding. Deserved his goal. Deserved man of the match, even though he didn't... He, didn't, uh, he thought Cody should have got it. But, yeah... Four assists in the last five games for Trent as well. There's an awful lot of positives. There's a lot more positives than negatives to take out of tonight's win. Any win away from home, given the season that we've had yep. away from home, any win's a good win. And the fact that you're going away to a ground where the home side are in a decent vein of form, you take it. You know, you yeah. take the three points and you move on up the table. Yeah, and this is uh, Emmett put this in earlier, and I saved it. But you know, we beat Leeds, then we beat Forest, now we beat West Ham, and those teams are one is better than the other. You know, Forest yeah. is better than Leeds, and West Ham's better than Forest and Leeds. And so it's keep keep progressing, keep progressing, keep progressing. You know, another test against Spurs, who I don't know, they might be somewhere in between West Ham and Forest in terms of their quality after uh, the performance they put in on the weekend, uh, and. And there wasn't too much happened towards the end of the game. Like, we really – we didn't pose a ton of threat I after think the goal. Darwin created his own chance where he was trying to force uh, – Duma, the cat kicker. Yeah, he, for, yeah, he, for, he forced Catman into um, some dodgy back passes. Yeah. But other than that, you know, and he ran around a fair bit. He did what he could. Uh, but in general, it was a case of seeing it out. And then we had the incident at the end. Well, we had two incidents at the end. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, before that, there was one where Allison. Oh my, does he come off of his line? Because that didn't look like he yeah. was going to get there. That was that right was really after good. we had taken the lead, and that was that was hearts and mouth moment time right there. But that's why we've got the best keeper yeah. in the world. Yeah. Like he mistimes that. It's red card yep. and three games. Yep, and we're uh, we're going to be relying on Kuvin Kelleher to score a header to get us into the top four instead of Allison, but. Yeah, I mean, the talking points. I mean, the handball. Yeah, um, look, people aren't helped by pundits who haven't got a clue about the game. That's that's this is a huge problem. Pundits like Joe Cole and the other two tulip that was on BBC tonight or B- BT Sport tonight haven't got a clue about the rules of the game. They don't understand context and they don't understand the handball law. 
it's not like it's their job or anything or they're getting paid to do yeah. this, but it's common sense. If you fall on the ball and you don't move your arm towards the ball, but your arm hits the ball in your natural action while you're going to ground, it is not a penalty. It can hit your hand a dozen times. As long as you don't move your hand to the ball, it's not a penalty. Yeah. End of story, end of debate, ref watches over, move on. But not we've a, got pundits who we were like, ground, though. it came at him from about what thirty inches away. It came off his foot. Yeah, like we've seen it from all season that they they have not been giving penalties for these kind of they call them in NFL bang bang plays, like yeah. where it's so close that the action is just one right after the other. I just, it was great to see how up in arms they were, and I mean we had the ball at one point, and there was like six of their guys crowding around the ref, and it was like, fuck, just go. They're not paying any attention. Like, let's let's just go and score. Yeah. I I understand West Ham fans' frustration, but the fans are really done a disservice by broadcasters who, who don't get it right. Common sense tells you what the law is. It's not a penalty. The problem comes when they interpret different things that happen in different games and try to marry the two. When a... If you, if the ball accidentally hits your hand and it drops to your feet and score, and you score from that, that's handball. That's handball. It's accidental. You had absolutely no idea that it happened. It led straight to a goal. It's handball. If I, if it happens and I pass the ball to you and you pass it to someone else and they score, it's not handball. Like Trent, like Trent uh, handball against yeah. Leeds. This is. The most frustrating part of watching football for me. It's people want to make an issue where one doesn't exist. It's not, Oshin. If it's in the Champions League and the ball is kicked at someone from like a foot away and they can't get and the ball, the hand is in their silhouette, it's not handball. I don't if know. The, I agree if, with them. I think in the Champions League they give if that. The, they give if, your hand, if your hand is away from your body, it's given as a penalty. But if you fall on the ball and it's your natural action to tackle the ball, you're going to ground. Your your arm is going down that direction and it doesn't move out the way. It's not handball. It's not handball in the Champions League either. But it's taking one instance from one game to one instance from another game and trying to wed them when they don't marry. Yeah. It's, I'm sorry, he went to tackle the ball. You're saying that he made the choice to go for a tackle. What's he meant to do? Go to do this when he's challenging for the ball on the ground? Virgil would have. No, it's it's <laughs> nonsense. It's nonsense. It, it engage what you see into common sense. I understand West Ham's frustration. It's injury time. It's the last kick of the game. It's like it hits his hand. Not all, not all instances are handball. Yeah. Just like all, not all contact is a foul. Yeah. Not all free kicks are yellow cards. Yeah. It's the same with this. It's just not handball. Never in a month of Sundays. I was never concerned about it, especially when the ref clearly saw it and. Waited away. So like he was never going to give it. Even if VAR told him to go and see it, he was never going to change his mind because he saw it. Yeah. Now here's a here's <coughs> a question. If he'd have given it, do you think it would have stood or would they have overturned it on VAR? No, because if he'd have given it, it's it's subjective. This is the thing. This is why there's a debate about it. Because it's subjective. It's it's one of the it's the problem handball is probably the only rule in one of the only rules in football. Where it's a it's an opinion, and this is where us who pay to watch football on TV aren't helped by not hearing the same conversation that the referee is having with the VAR official. The yeah. commentators hear it, the TV production staff hear it, but we're not deemed uh, capable Worthy. of understanding what they're hearing, yeah. or we're a bit too sensitive for uh, for those kind of conversations. There was a video going around on Twitter last week. I don't know if anyone saw it. It was a French league game where the referee was mic'd up and 
the way he managed the incidences in the game is I guarantee it's exactly the same way as how referees would handle incidences in the Premier League. The difference was we all heard it. And even in French, he was speaking in English to speak to players like, um, I think it was Ramsey was playing, but he was speaking in English to players who weren't French natives. And he was speaking in French to the French players. And I think Alexander Lacazette was playing. So it was Leon, it was a Leon game. And you could tell a mile away the respect that the, the, ref, the players had for the referee and the decisions that he was making. And afterwards, the fans were so much better informed because of it. And you don't get this nonsense from the likes of Joe Cole if the fans are more informed. If the fans are more informed about why a decision is made, they can accept it. They might not like it. They might not agree with it. And they'll argue about it. But they'll accept it because they can hear the rationale and the reading reason the reasonings for it. You're always going to get the, the arse hat to just like controversy for the sake of controversy. Yeah, of but you, you weed them out. The vast majority of people who watch football understand the game. And once it's explained why a decision has been made in real time, there's absolutely no reason whatsoever why this doesn't happen. None. Yeah. There is actually a commercial benefit to broadcasters. For this to happen, because it's a part of the entertainment, oh, in yeah. the same way as it is for rugby, the same way as it is for NFL, for cricket, for yeah. any other sport who involves this type, this type of stuff. F one, where we hear the team managers talking to the the drivers, it's exactly the same with football. Yeah, football, and it's some, it's some of the best parts of the TV watching experience of the sports that have that. Because it, it gives you, like, at least now, because it's still kind of a new phenomenon. Maybe not so much in rugby, but, like, getting to that little peek behind the curtain. Like, you mentioned Formula One. Like, hearing the teams talk to the drivers and stuff like that and having the option when you're on the F1 app of being able to listen to, you know, whichever your driver, your favorite driver is. You can, you know, hear all the stuff that's going back and forth. It's fantastic. And it's only I think it's only a matter of time. It's just only a matter of time. They're all worried about the salty language and stuff like that that goes on with it. And these things will get – it won't be an issue once you get rid of the satellite and terrestrial broadcasters and everything goes on the internet, you know, for a, mm. a Premier League streaming service because you'll be able to say – you'll be able to have a little warning in there that everybody ignores when they boot it up for the first time that <laughs> there may be some, you know, adult language that's there and you don't have to worry about it. Comment of the night from Red Steve. Joe I Cole know. He's really having to go at Joe Cole. He says he has Velcro shoes. He says he has safety caps on his sunny delight, but Joe Cole doesn't understand the rules of snakes and ladders. That's uh, that's that's good. That's good. Uh, I mean, you said there was two incidents. I don't even remember what the second one would have been. The, oh, the second, the second one was Bowen. Bowen foul on Matip. It was one of those. When I saw it going in, I thought that it was the other way around. I thought that it was Matip rushed and, you know, time sensitive, you know, the last couple that he tried to reach for something and it wasn't there. But it was when I saw the replay, the other side of it, it was a bit reckless from Jared Bowen. But glad, again, glad there wasn't a booking, glad it wasn't, you know, it was dealt with properly. And game finished off. Happy days. Liverpool win 2 1 away from home. Up to yeah. sixth, sixth in the table. And. Again, a lot 20 efforts on goal away from home. What's not to like? Yeah. And now here's one from I think it was even before we started broadcasting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next, <laughs> the streets are buzzing. Can we get fourth? Now I know you're uh you're well, not quite optimistic. I just I've it. literally just brought up the table here at the minute. Okay. Uh Manchester United are in, currently in fourth with 30 games played on 59 points. We've played 32. And we're on 53. Newcastle have played 31 and are also on 59. So we're six points off with a game less. Uh, with Having played a game more. Personally, I think the top four went away with the loss to Bournemouth. Yeah. I think if we're three points further ahead, if we go and beat Bournemouth, and uh, we're on 56 points, three points off those two with six games to play. I think we're in with a real chance, a real chance, because pressure does funny things to sides, especially those two. I just think that we've left it uh, a bit too late. Yeah, what I think, I think if anybody's there to be caught, I think it's, I think it's United. 
I think with the injuries that they're starting to pick up and, you know, Rashford has kind of fallen off form again where he was absolutely flying, you know, a couple of months ago, yeah. he seemed like he was scoring for fun. Now they're struggling a little bit for goals here and there. <laughs> Big game coming up against Spurs. I believe it's tomorrow, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, all of us have to be hoping for Spurs to win that game because we'll overhaul Spurs. Like, I'm not concerned about that. Yeah, draw, draw, win. I don't care. I mean, I, well, no, I couldn't care. I wouldn't want Man United to win anything, but it's like I don't really care what anyone else does now. I, I couldn't care less who wins the league anymore and past that. Uh, <laughs> but I think it's pretty obvious who's going to win yeah, the league. Yeah, but I, I don't care what anyone else does above us. We win our games, we finish where we finish, and that's where we deserve to finish for the season that we've had. But all we can do is give ourselves the best chance possible, get to, what have we got, six more games to play? Six to go. Six to go, put another 18 points on the board. That will put us on, what, 71 71 71 points. 71 points. If that's good enough for sixth, then you take sixth, you lick your wounds, and you get off. You know, you just get on with life. If it takes us into fifth, fine. We're into the guaranteed Europa League. Then we're going to be playing Thursday nights and we're just going to get involved in watching a lot of the squad players playing in group games. Fine. No problem. I can take take the benefits from that. Any more than that, I'll be astonished. It would take a monumental collapse from the two sides above us to... Uh, to trouble them that you know well just one of them we just need one of them it's I, I <coughs> as much as i would like to think because like newcastle plays a lot of the teams down and around the bottom and so i mean you get a huge result for forest today beating brighton yeah you know drops everton into 19th place yeah i i newcastle have to play i think leeds leicester everton like there's there's big games coming up uh for newcastle in terms of settling the relegation race but yeah it just feels like they're they've kind of refound their form whereas united are hitting this little bit of a rocky patch you know that embarrassing performance in seville and stuff like that so i was right when i thought i was out they pull me right back in again (laughs) damn candy we're doing it the jurgen klopp way we always do mad stuff under him what's more likely getting fourth now or beating barcelona four nil or winning the league by 18 points or something yeah, well, I'm looking at the bottom of the table. The bottom of the table here now, uh, you've got Leeds on 30 points in 16th, Forest on 30, Leicester on 29 in the relegation zone, with Everton on 28 and Southampton on 24. I Bournemouth could still get dragged into it on 33. I think West Ham are probably safe on 34. I mean, at the end of the day, Chelsea are still on 39 points. Chelsea are going to finish behind Palace and Wolves. Chelsea are going to finish behind Palace and Wolves. Yeah. Is I think what's going to happen. But I was taking a look at some of the fixtures for United and uh, Newcastle. I mean, I guess the two Uniteds before coming on. And I just got this sneaky suspicion that United could pick up, you know, a few shaky results here and there. And their second to last game of the season is against Chelsea. And I could just see Chelsea doing us a big favor in that game because they are absolute garbage. But every so often, you know, a garbage clock is right at least twice a day. Uh, I, I mean, Megan McCallion here says, Super Frank, I saw somebody had a tweet out. In his last 19 games, he has one win and two draws. I think he's got, I think he'll be sacked tomorrow. Really? Yeah, I think, I definitely. Definitely don't think he'll be. I, don't, I definitely don't think he sees the end of the season. <laughs> I think they'll accelerate. They'll just whatever offer they've made to Pochettino, they'll just add another zero to it. They'll yep. just, you know, it's literally just a case of give him the contract, fill out what you want, and just sign it. <sighs> just come in and sort something out because super frank. I mean, my God, how many? I think his career in football could actually be done. On the strength of what he's on what he's done at Chelsea. Well, it's it could, I mean, we all kind of we thought that kind of about Gerard with how poorly he did at Villa. But you know, he at least went away and didn't come back and do even worse. So I mean, it's five losses in a row for Chelsea. I think yeah. four losses in a row was the worst start to a, a Chelsea manager's reign ever. So yeah. now he's gone and beat that. So I mean he's beating records, so you gotta like that. Yeah. yeah. I've I just I don't get it. I mean, the thing is, his dad was a good player. His uncle was a good manager, right? But at the end of the day, 
It's not a DNA contest. Yeah. He was well, I mean, he's aver- a Tory, so they really do like nepotism. But, but he was bang average at, at, at Derby. He was shocking at Everton. Shocking. He got the he got the job at Everton on the strength of what he did at Chelsea with no money. It wasn't as if they were shit. Yeah. You know, they were still a good side. That youth academy has produced some of the best young players in the country. It wasn't as if he was promoting dross. And nope. even then, they were crap. And the first sign that he gave him money, he could he was atrocious with it. Yeah. There's a reason I I I'm not I don't have credit card. I'm not allowed the credit card, and my wife has the bank card in her purse for the same reason as Frank Lampard shouldn't be allowed to spend money at a football club. They're not so good what ideas. Is that you will be announced as Chelsea manager sometime tomorrow? Or? Yeah, I can't. I can't afford to pay cut. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, it's. Uh... <clears throat> With these, I mean, it's been a pretty up and down shit season for us as Liverpool fans. There's been a lot more downs than we've been used to over the last few years. But I mean, it's been an incredibly exciting season of Premier League football. Like the oh, final yeah. few weeks are going to be so exciting, with the exception of the title race. The title is, I think it was over months ago. I never thought Arsenal would hold the distance, and it's just done now. I mean, City, two points behind with two games in hand. They look like they are absolutely clicking into, like, Voltron forming together. So, fingers crossed that Real Madrid can keep them from winning the only thing that Pep really wants in the world, the only thing yeah. that money can't buy. Yeah, I'm, I'm just hoping that Modric pulls out a Modric masterclass. Yeah. Benzema turns into the Benzema that we know and love, and Vinny J just decides to, I'm going to show you lot how to play football. Exactly. I mean, <coughs> given given our uh, given our results against Real Madrid, it is pretty weird for Liverpool fans to be getting on the Real Madrid bandwagon. Hala Madrid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, hopefully one of the Milanese teams can win in the final. That's, I mean, if you're not cheering for one of the two Milan teams, you're you're not doing this exactly right. So, no. <laughs> I mean, that, that was a lovely little show there, Kev. Uh, a lot more fun doing it after a win than after a loss. So Absolutely. Yeah, back in winning ways. And, I mean, we'll be lining up. we got a full docket of things coming in. I, I imagine I might be doing a viewer's voice tomorrow. So I have to get some topics for Gav, and he can sort me out some guests and do that. you got a Friday show set up? Yeah, uh, we've got uh, Luke from the Park Lane podcast coming on. And it's just going to be myself and the two Lukes. Oh, that should be good. Our, our Luke, and uh, we're going to chat about Wrexham and what the buzz is like in Wrexham at the minute. Uh, he's living in the town. So we'll find out what it's like in Wrexham at the minute. And uh, we'll get the full story from Luke about uh, Spurs and what's going on. What's the fans thinking behind Daniel Levy, behind players downing tools and getting coaches sacked left, right, and center? What's going on with Harry Kane? What needs to happen with Spurs? And we're going to have a massive look at the the weekend fixtures because man we're at it again i yeah. keep saying it every single week there is virtually something on almost every game yep he yeah, will not call them both no... Dan. i will call one of them fred just for fun <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean door that's uh that's the show right there i mean if there can be any fairy tale ending to the season divock Origi scoring the uh winning champions league goal for ac milan I mean, oh, in that man. case, let it be over Man City. That would just be Hilarious. chef's kits. Absolutely fantastic. So, Hilarious. yeah, that's enough from us. I mean, check out the show sponsor, bookmakers.com. Uh, follow their YouTube channel. Gav should have a show coming out on there uh, tomorrow with his uh, regular group of guys he has doing the same thing you're going to be doing on Friday, previewing <laughs> the weekend's actions. Probably Spurs fan on there as well, too, I'd imagine, given that Liverpool yeah. and Spurs are playing. Uh, but again, the most important thing, as we always do, we've got our charity sponsor. You can find the link in the description on any of the show's social media sites. You can check it out. It'll be pinned right at the top of the uh, of the Twitter accounts and all that fun stuff. The 12 women running the Dublin Marathon, raising money for breast cancer awareness. They're out there training. We're out here trying to push it along, get their GoFundMe bumped up to hit their fundraising goal. This is the reason why we do the show. Everything's free. We just ask that if you can donate, donate. If you can't donate, put it into your social media accounts, share it amongst your friends and family, 
and slowly but surely we'll tick it along and we'll get it there because uh again gav drives the ship and we're all uh willing sailors on board with it that these charity drives is uh what we're doing the show for because we could be talking this sort of stuff just amongst ourselves in whatsapp and telegram groups so it's good to have a platform to get out a good cause there and then if anybody is interested in helping Gav sponsor the golf day, which is coming up rapidly, rapidly, yeah, I believe he still needs a few uh, things to help fill out for, you know, whole sponsorships and whatnot, get some raffle prizes together. All the money raised on the LFC day trippers golf day will go right into the uh, fund to help the women that are running the Dublin marathon. And uh, also if we're talking about golf, we got to give Gav's channel a little bit of mention uh, I'm going to have to watch some of the the one he just put out there because I cannot hit a driver to save my damn life. I, I have about a 200 yard left to right slice on mine. So he put up, <laughs> he, he's got a series of pro tips with the uh, club pro from Ashburn golf course, putting up on the bang average golf channel on YouTube. Check that out. Uh, and hopefully I can learn how to straighten out my drive a little bit. That would be kind of nice, but yeah. Yeah, it's all good fun. Anything before we get out of here, Kev? No, that's it. What you said, basically, echo everything you just said there with the uh, ladies from Ashburn, GA, running the marathon. Hope we look, we we'll do everything we can to get them to the total and yeah. just won't stop and all apologize for it. So, exactly, it is what it is. Yeah, we're just going to keep the only on way to make us stop talking about it is to get your hand in your pocket and chuck them in a tenner. Exactly. Yeah, that's the easiest way. The easiest yeah. way to do that. So, yeah, hit a like uh, on your way out, everybody. Red Steve, hit the notification bell so you don't need personalized messages that there's going to be a show coming up tonight. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us on Full Time Reds, the LFC Day Trippers. See you next time. Sports Social Podcast Network.